Welcome to episode eight of the SAP FM podcast. And Simon, this week we've got Charlie Howden. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Charlie's a fellow countryman of mine. And, you know, we've spoken to quite a few people already on this podcast. But for me, his attitude is just absolutely inspirational. Um, he's suffering from stage four pancreatic cancer. Uh, and having chemotherapy for it and in a two-week gap from his treatment um, decided that he was going to do something that he always wanted to do which is uh, stand up paddleboard 450 miles um, down the coast of Costa Rica from north to south. The interview with him today is is just incredibly inspirational for me. And I think that Charlie, is he comes across so positively, but what I think we should try and remember is the amount of pain that this guy is going through every single time. And he has to, his recovery period from the chemotherapy before he can start paddling again. But he just comes across as such an inspirational, positive guy. So we wish him all the best with his trip. And let's get straight into it. Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Hi, Charlie Harden. Welcome to SUP FM. Thank you. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And things must be pretty manic right, right now. You're just leaving for your trip. Uh, yeah, everything's uh, been very last minute with this trip. I've uh, wanted to plan in advance, but uh, what with my treatments, then uh, sessions being cancelled because of blood not being quite right. It's uh, all been a very last minute, right, you can go next week kind of affair. We had these dates kind of set out. So uh, this last week, I've been running around just buying extra equipment that I wanted and um, trying to get as much together in a very rushed time. It's all going to be a bit of a winging affair. It's a first trip, but um, I'm sure things will come together. You know, a few ah, things will go ah. wrong, but that's going to be part of the fun. I'm sure it will. Uh, but let's get back. Let's get into that in much more detail a little bit later. Um, We'd love to ask you that obviously paddleboarding is clearly fairly dear to you. So when did you first see it and, and what was it that got you hooked? I um, first saw an advertisement in a surf shop here for a full moon paddle. And, um, you know, I'd seen, you know, such people as Laird Hamilton out there on the board and I always wanted to try it. So this was my first chance to try it. Um, so I went down one evening and met some people and just loved it immediately. And I asked one of the guys how I could um, get into the sport. And a local guy here called Rory Cam, one of the watermen from around this area in Fort Lauderdale, he just mentioned come down the beach and you'd have spare boards. So for like the next kind of week, I was down there every day just practicing for him before I had to take a job on a yacht. But uh, as, a, as luck would happen, the captain actually had his own board on there. So from then on, I took his board out every night, just going paddling on it. Excellent. But like your very first time when you actually stepped on the board, how did you feel? Do you remember that? Or when was uh, it? Yeah, I do. I mean, it was fantastic. I've surfed and, you know, I've kayaked before, but I, I just love the feeling of just being pretty much, you know, walking on water, the view and the peace and the maneuverability as well and uh, it all really came together well for me it was an amazing feeling so for you what do, what do you think is the probably the best feeling about paddleboarding i mean is it do you do, you do it for exercise do you do it for uh, meditation or what's what's the best thing i do it for everything from you know from when i used to train for races because i've always you know liked pushing myself as well 
I love that aspect of it for fitness, but I also love just getting up for sunrise and going out and floating out in the water and enjoying the views. Um, it has a very calming ability about it as well. Um, and then, you know, my favorite part of it must be the sup surfing side of it as well, which is a real sure. passion of mine. But do you have any surf down in Florida? Um, <laughs> it's rare, but, uh, you know, I've taken this board, well, not the board I'm uh, doing the trip on, but I have sup surf down in Costa Rica a few times as well. Um, but we get a few ways here in Florida, but uh, not mm -hmm. the best. <laughs> yeah, because I guess, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier just just the peace and quiet you get in a paddleboard. I've, I've been paddleboarding the whole winter here in, in Portugal, and it's just incredible. Those sunrise, those sunrise paddles are just so memorable. It's unbelievable. I could imagine. Really good. With Portugal and the coastline you have down there and the waves you've had through the winter, it must have been a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, we've heard the as you as everyone probably knows that I love to say all the time the biggest wave in the world is now in Portugal. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice to know that. Have you uh, but, yet to sup surf that one? Then I take it. Yeah, no, not exactly. I'm not not into hundred foot waves. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I haven't been up there yet to Nazaré. But um, you're obviously no stranger to water um, and working on yachts. So how did you get to be working on yachts from, because you were born in, in Eastbourne, is that correct, in England? Uh, that's correct. I mean, from, I started doing water sports there, sailing and uh, windsurfing in Eastbourne. But uh, my brother is four years older than me. And when he was at university, a friend of his and himself, they went to the south of France. So when I ended up in university, as all little brothers do, they follow in their big brother's footsteps. And I ended up going down there on my summer holidays and trying to find work to help pay my way through university. And, you know, I earned money and I traveled during my summer holidays. So when I finished university, I decided, um, you know, why not get back on yachts? I enjoyed it for the seasons I did it. And it would be a good way of seeing some more of the world and uh, making money at the same time. But it must have been pretty tough to get a job on a yacht, wasn't it? Um, when I started back doing the seasons, probably back in 1999, there was a lot less, um, a lot less dealing with the yachts and courses and everything. It was a lot simpler to get into it and find work. Now, for a good thing, they've cracked down on a lot of courses, making sure people are a lot more um, certified um, to do the job in hand. So it's a lot more professional these days, I should say. Um, right. But yeah, back in the day, you could walk around and, you know, just through playing sports with people, you know, you'd get jobs and stuff and uh, you'd just lead on from there. Okay, so did you get a job offer in Florida? Is that how you moved over or was it just the option of a better better life? Um, my first time I flew out here because my cousin was working on a boat, so I joined her. And then in the subsequent years, a few of the boats I worked on, we did crossings from Europe over here. We did the seasons from... Fort Lauderdale through the Bahamas to the Caribbean and then back here for maintenance times. So I was here for a few years from 2004 to seven. Then I left again and I came back and uh, finally finished the last job back in 2012. And I was about to head back to uh, Europe and I met my, uh, well, now fiance. So I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But the actual, um, the world of working in private yachts, I mean, it sounds awfully mundane. Is it? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was just kidding. <laughs> it's like, it sounds incredibly glamorous. It sounds amazingly glamorous. What's, what's it like? You, you know, it's, it very much depends on your itinerary and your owners. You can have, be on these super big boats, which are just very, um, you know, restricted in what you can do. Some of them are so big where you're out anchored out a lot as well, or the owners can be a lot more strict. Other ones, you know, the owner's very happy for the crew to go and experience stuff and, um, like any job, really, you can really get with a great company or you can be unlucky. 
Um, but you know, you can be in these amazing locations, but sometimes you're so busy. So it's like a look, but you can't touch the stuff. So, um, Mm -hmm. but it definitely has its days having that day off when you're in a, uh, a location you would never expect it to be. You definitely makes up for the long hours and days you put in. So what kind of locations have you traveled mainly in the Caribbean and Central America? Mainly in the Caribbean, um, and the Mediterranean, um, Central America, Costa Rica is just through traveling my own. And then actually my most amazing trip I managed, um, it was yeah, back in 2012. Um, I was just got asked to help out on a trip from Florida up the East Coast all the way up to um, Nova Scotia and then over to Greenland up there. And then we did the Northwest Passage uh, through the Bering Sea and back down to San Diego. So wow. that was my most amazing trip. And I got to paddle through the ice in Greenland and also uh, had another chance when I was in Alaska in the fjords paddling amongst the ice up there. So how did you prepare for paddling out in the ice? Because, I mean, that's not your average, average everyday excursion. Um, well, my most my, my biggest uh, plan was just really not to fall in because I was just cruising by the boat. I just bought um, a wetsuit, uh, salopets actually, so I didn't have to wear a top because otherwise it's too hot in a full wetsuit. And just... Uh, Hoped I didn't fall in pretty much. Um, so <laughs> so was, what if you had fallen in? Well, the, I was paddling alongside the boat and I had, you know, extra clothes on the board just in case as well. When I did go off, when we had a day off, I paddled off to a little island myself and I just took a GPS with me and a few extra clothes. Um, the wetsuit top part of it as well. I just decided to roll it down most of the time. It's just because the temperature is warm. It's just the cold water. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was probably I think, naive about it, but, um, you know, I never fell in. So <laughs> well done. I mean, I think a lot of people, even here in Portugal, they are very reticent about paddling in the middle of winter when, uh, when it's actually the, the water temperatures are fantastic and, and it, it's just a little bit colder outside. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it's quite difficult to try and, you know, convince people that you can actually paddle in the middle of winter. Like you say, it's you're paddling up in the Bering Straits and what's it, Northwest Passage, and you don't even have a wetsuit top on. Yeah, I think, so, well, when you're, say, paddling down in Portugal and you've got cold seas and cold weather, at least you're, you probably shouldn't overheat too much with, um, you know, jumping in and out. So it's very hard to get that wetsuit balance. But, you know, I used to bodyboard back in England in the middle of the winter as a little grommet snow on the ground. And, uh, you know, it was all about the stoke back then. And, uh, shivering in the car park till your mum could pick you up and drag you back to the shower so um you know there's certain people who will do it and then there's those guys who just love the fair weather stuff i suppose yeah i guess it's different strokes for different folks here yeah um but talking about sup racing you entered into a few races down in florida did you did your friends push you into it or, or what what actually got you into it um well i just before i was about to leave home in 2012 and go back to europe i just wanted a board to do some long distance stuff back in Europe. So there was a secondhand starboard coast runner going for sale and I bought it and some people mentioned there was a race going on in Florida, just a five and a half mile multiple lap race. And I entered in the 14 foot class and I ended up winning my first race in $500. And I was like, ah, maybe I should, wow. people like, maybe you should stick around and give it a go. So I uh, stuck around and, and a few weeks later I did the Florida state and I think I came second in my age and fifth overall. Um, but then I had a shoulder injury and then I took this job up to the Arctic. So, uh, I actually waited till the January of 2013 to start training properly, properly. And I did Florida state again and I came third there. Then I did North Carolina. I think I came about 13th and then I did, um, the Key West one and I won that one. And then, uh, the next day my back went and then, uh, about month, two months later, we found out I had stage four pancreatic cancer. Wow. So uh, my race season got cut short just as I was hoping to uh, push for some of the top spots. Mm -hmm. 
Um, just before we get into the cancer, what would you give any advice to, to people starting out to paddle who have never raced before uh, that you've learned? I mean, obviously with your injury, you must have some suggestions. Yeah, I think, you know, it's the same with m most sports. I wouldn't try to go on the fastest, smallest board straight away and really struggle. Um, you know, you could get annoyed with it before you really find the enjoyment. Um, just get on a board where you can just get out and be comfortable without having to worry about falling into water and everything like that. Just to be out in the water and not even, I suppose, worrying about those guys on the beach telling you about all the correct strokes and everything. Um, you know, it's got nothing about that when you want to first want to pick up the enjoyment. That's for sure. Um, mm -hmm. The other bits will come along. Everyone knows what the race scene's like and uh, how many people can tell you what's right, right paddle length and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, the enjoyment is just about getting out and, you know, with a good bunch of people and um, being out in the ocean or sea or rivers or lakes, you know. What about injuries? How do you think people could avoid injuries in racing? Well, from that, there are, you know, there's such a wide variety of, of training principles I've read a lot up on as well. And um, that does come down to some people just trying to do too much as well. You notice people trying to cram too many races into their season without giving their body a break or pushing themselves too hard too early or um, maybe paddling the wrong size board where it's too wide or too fat and then paddle length again where you could be overextending your shoulder. And I've noticed um, in the last couple of years there's a bit more of a biomechanical approach to paddling where they're looking at the forces around the blade with different angles. So I think in the future that will definitely take a lot of the injuries out. I studied biomechanics back in university and um, I think as any sport has involved, there will be a lot more science people trying to get involved to decrease these injuries. But, you know, you know, blade size and conditions, everything else has a huge contributing effect as well um, to it. And even just what we eat to really make sure our muscles are fully prepared for what we plan to do. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because food obviously has a major impact on any kind of fitness. Here. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, are you still racing now? Um, at the moment, um, I'm planning to. I do uh, just a race league every week. It's just like a little three-mile race league, and uh, I do that. But um, I suppose I've been quite busy, and sometimes the races didn't line up with the old chemo. So with the old session of chemo, I needed five days to get better. So some I just wouldn't be in time to do a race. But I did a couple last year of you know four-milers, you know five, six days off the chemo, and you know, I was fine at that distance, but I think, um, this year there's a few little six milers where I know I can go out hundred percent for that. Um, I don't think my body will be able to do hundred percent, say 12 miles like the Carolina cup, but, uh, I'd be more than willing to do those length races anyway, just for fun. So I'm hoping to get a few in this summer. Um, it's just okay. the expenses of now of my bills and traveling to places as well to fit it all in. Okay. And, um, because of this, uh, this trip to Costa Rica that you're about to embark on right now, um, was that planned before you got cancer or, or how did that, what is the timelining there? Yeah, I was, um, sitting on a boat and watch back in 2012, just before I left in about March. And, uh, I decided I'd love to, um, you know, paddle the West coast of Costa Rica cause I've been there many times surfing and, um, I wanted to do something to raise money for charity and I didn't really have a clue who to do it for. And I was out at a race in Puerto Rico and, uh, the owner of MHL suggested, uh, this foundation WGFRF, the William Guy Forbeck research foundation. Um, he worked with it and he, he assured me that it was a, a great foundation that, uh, you know, dealt with all types of cancers 
and um, all the money always goes straight to them on these fundraising events. So, um, you know, I, I said, that sounds like a great idea. Yes, go for it. But um, unfortunately, I think the first year I was out of a job and I didn't quite have the money to get together. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And then six months later, I was diagnosed with my cancer myself. So I put it off the next year. But uh, it finally came to November just this last year and I had another clear scan. I mean, since then, a few things have come back, but we decided, you know, what's the point in waiting around? Um, I just got to get on living my life. And this has been a dream to do for a couple of years. So um, with the help of uh, MHL, um, they're making me a board and helping with finances. Um, we've really got this trip together now as well. Excellent. But now, for anybody trying to um, raise money for charity, how, how do they go about it? Does somebody else do it all for you? Does does WGFRF, do they do everything for you or how does it actually work? I've got to say they've definitely been the driving force um, along with a press officer that has been working alongside us as well. Without him, um, these interviews, I mean, I wouldn't have had a clue to go about trying to set up a lot of these interviews uh, maybe a few magazine articles, but this press officer, um, he's really helped immensely by just reaching out to companies. Uh, we've done magazine paper articles already as well, but they have been the driving force. And I've been a bit slow about it because sometimes after chemo for four days, my mind just shuts down. So um, they're asking me questions and I finally get back to them. So yeah, without them, it definitely wouldn't have, um, you know, progressed as far as it has. Mm-hmm. Sure. And an integral part of the, the fundraising campaign is the GoFundMe page, correct? Uh, that's correct. We I was going to uh, do my own website, but we decided the cost of setting up one and the ease of GoFundMe where it's easy to upload pictures, a blog repost, and uh, people can donate on the same website and it links into Facebook just seemed the best bet um, all round. Um, so, and what with the charity opening up the site themselves as well, it, uh, helps making sure all the money, uh, goes to them without, uh, tax problems as well. Excellent. So it's great because a hundred percent of the, of the donations go directly to WGFRF. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. Yes. Uh, nothing, oh, nothing's good. coming to me for this. I've had, uh, a past account in the past, and other friends helping me out. So this is purely for the foundation. Mm-hmm. So how, how are you funding this trip down to Costa Rica? I mean, because it must be pretty pricey. Uh, yeah, with the flights, accommodation, you know, and one of the biggest parts I've realized was supplementation. But luckily, one of my, I managed to get a sponsor through Hammer Nutrition. So that's helped uh, a lot there with a lot of the supplements I wanted to take. Um, and, you know, I've been helped out by equipment by Delorme and Werner Paddles and Surf World and Liquid Surf and Sail here in Fort Lauderdale and also Rudy Project Sunglasses. So they've already helped me out. But for the cash, um, MHL, my main board sponsor, they uh, made me a board and have helped me out financially to uh, make it down there for this trip. So I can't thank the team at MHL enough to really making this uh, dream a reality. Oh, that's fantastic. So how did you get around? I mean, when you're planning it, it, do you you sit around charts all night and planning it? How do you decide exactly where you're going? Are you just going down the West Coast and and seeing what happens? Or or how how intensely have you planned this trip? Um, I've planned it to a a certain extent, but I've been talking the last few days with my Costa Rican buddy who's here in Fort Lauderdale at the moment, but he's going to be my land support. Um, there's only a certain amount you can plan. And because I don't have an unlimited schedule where if I don't complete a certain day due to weather, I can carry on the next day. I only have two weeks the most to get this done because I have to come back for my next chemo treatment because I was only given one an extra week off. So that's the main part. But 
I've uh, put in all the night stops where I want to make it to. So maybe if I get tired before the end of that leg, I hope people can understand that what I'm going through, I may get tired and not be able to complete every leg every day, but my friend will pick me up and then we'll still finish in the same location. So I can be on time to finish in Pavones um, down in the south of Costa Rica. Um, As for more planning the night of, you know, I will go through it, check the weather for the next day and, you know, really check on. There's some areas out there where the car can't get to. So if it's going to be rough, we may have to change something out. But um, as it turns out, one of the yachts I work for, they're going to be around Los Sueños area during the middle part of my trip. And uh, the big 28 mile ocean crossing, which I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. Um, he'll be able to paddle with me and do uh, tender support with me there. Oh, excellent. So you'll have a few people paddling with you, or is it just him at that, um, at that one stage? In that location, I probably will. And there's another location in the south. There's an area of no traffic roads either, and I believe to be a, a big delta with crocodiles and everything. So without support, we are umming and ahhing about just paddling on my own. Um, if we can have a few more people, then we'll go for it. So it is, it's not planned to a T. I've got to be a bit more flexible about it. Sure. Yeah. And, you it's know, a- wake up one day feeling tired or something like that, or my body isn't quite right. I've made promises to my fiance and to, uh, you know, Michael Leeson of MHL that I am not bound by, you know, contracts or anything. My health is the most important thing. Absolutely. I'm glad. But you're trying to do 25 to 30 miles a day, is it right? That's what I'm uh, planning on. Um, isn't that quite ambitious in an open ocean? I mean, it's 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 a long time, that, isn't it? It's a long a long paddle, if, especially if you get adverse conditions. <laughs> exactly. I am I am hoping on favorable conditions. It's it's a tough window. You have the Papagayo winds, you know, around the winter, but they've carried on a bit longer this year. And then as the rains come, they, the winds start to come a little bit from the south, but even lighter. So I really need to start by six in the morning uh, before the winds come up and get a good, say, five, six hours in. Um, and then on average, I suppose, what am I going to be doing? Ten miles every three? I'm probably going to be paddling around, you know, six to eight hours a day. Okay. Jeez, it's a long, so, long way. I was just about to yeah. stay for 10 miles, just cruising around for three hours and just trying out different kit on flat water. But yeah, if there's any rough weather, that takes into account. I'm hoping I get a few downwinders. Um, <laughs> I'm fingers crossed. And all. Oh, we're crossing fingers for you as well. Let's hope it goes all all sweetly. But um, there's a lot of other adventurers out there who, do, who don't really train for their adventures. Have you put in quite a lot of training for this or are you just taking it as it comes? I wouldn't say... For me, training's been even just going to work and walking up downstairs and banging a hammer as well. You know, anything's mm. been good for me lately. But I had, I was training, and then I had to go to hospital for a few days because I ended up getting a hematoma from a, a clinical trial I did, and it nicked one of the blood vessels. So that put me out for a few weeks. But uh, lately, over the last few weeks, I was cycling. You know, the seven miles to work and the seven miles back from work. I was mountain biking weekends. And then I do, you know, three paddles a week of varying distances as well and intensities. So I'm not going to be able to to paddle around canals trying to train for 30 miles a day is mentally a bit too much. Um, but my main idea was to try and get my legs a lot stronger for the long periods of standing and um, my hands a lot tougher for, you know, blisters and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But all these guys, I, you know, read about Will Schmidt as well and his trip from Canada to Mexico and he said a lot of the training was actually on the trip itself <laughs> yeah that's I think Dave Cornthwaite does that a lot I'm not sure if you're aware of him 
he just goes out and does it. Do you know? Do you? Well, yeah. What other adventurers do you follow? Uh, there's Tom Jones as well. I know he's done some big adventures, and he's got a massive one lined up as well. I think to paddle. Is it from San Francisco to Hawaii? I think uh, later this year. Um, wow. He's been open ocean stuff. Batman, so that's real open ocean. He's paddled from Key West to New York, and uh, he's known as one of the distance. And there's a few other guys, but I forget their names off the top of my head right now. He's paddled from Key West to New York. Uh, yes. That's, that's yeah. unbelievable. So, because I thought Dave Cornthwaite held the Guinness World Book of Record for the longest paddle down the Mississippi, two, yeah. 2,000 something miles. So, yeah, I believe key, that was long. I think Will Schmitz was, was that about 1,800, Canada to Mexico? Um, okay. But yeah, I think that's the Mississippi one was a very long one. Um, maybe I'll be able to beat it one day. Uh, I've always, I've got another dream of being able to paddle from here to the Bahamas and down through the Exumas and Terps and Caicos, all through the Caribbean down to the down to South America, and that'd be about a two thousand mile trip as well. But that's a lot more logistics right there, <laughs> and that's for another. Day. Yeah. She's 2,000 miles through the Caribbean. That'll be unbelievable. Yeah, I need to. Uh, I'll have to uh, get out of all this treatment, I think, for that kind of trip. So, uh, yeah, fingers mm-hmm. crossed for that one. I've got a dream to cross the Algarve, and that's 150 kilometers. So mine's a little bit smaller than yours. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll get it done. <laughs> yeah, get it done. Uh, so, But as far as the treatment goes, um, because you were you were declared all clear a while back, and then, and then some things came back, so you had to do more treatment. Uh, what's happening? Yeah, in November I had another PET scan showing the um, I was clear for the second time with you know no metastasis, no metatasis and um, no other nodes in the body or tumors. Um, but then they noticed my blood figures had gone up quite high, which is a sign of activity, but it can also just be a sign of inflammation as well. But um, so, but then they actually found um, another two tumors in January. So they put me back onto chemo, um, a full Firinox, which is a strong one I first started with. And I just finished my, I finished my well, eighth one of the new cycle, um, but about 32 in total. And I started this new chemo about two weeks ago now because they found a slightly enlarged lymph node. But uh, the doctor's happy. I'm holding weight. I'm feeling fit. I feel good. I don't have pain. And she's like, um, you know, maybe good to let your body have a rest from chemo as well. Um, So this trip could be good for you at the same point. And I'm sure she's bound by not being able to say, yes, my medical opinion should go. So uh, mm. there's definitely some worries out there, but uh, they've managed to work with me and um, we'll make it happen. I've got a bunch of injections I'll take with me while I'm down there, just stuff for blood thinners and um, um, bringing my white blood cells up to uh, the right numbers. So I'll be doing various uh, injections into my stomach each day. But, um, you know, that's a very minimal effort for what I'm trying to achieve. But you sound amazingly upbeat and, and uh, you know, I just hope you can get through it all. That sounds like an incredible trip and... We just really want to thank you for coming on to SUP FM and discussing it with us. So. Well, it's my so pleasure. Thanks. I'm glad you guys were interested in hearing my story. Absolutely. And I hope all of our listeners are because it's a fascinating story. And, and I just, we really wish you all the best. We'd love to get you back on in the future um, to chat about the trip afterwards. Oh, definitely. That will be um, superb. I mean, hopefully by then I'll have a bit more of a story, some good pictures, and uh, hopefully not too many war stories with the sea life. Um, <laughs> and that it all just watch those crocs in the Delta. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'd love to uh, talk to everyone again in the future for sure. Right. And just one last question. How can we follow your updates? Is it on your Facebook page? It will be on my, uh, I post to generally GoFundMe page, but that links straight into the Facebook page as well. So um, they're the best two, they're the best two ways of following me. I'm still trying to learn out the logistics of Twitter. Um, it's flying past my head pretty quickly at the moment. 
So uh, Facebook, um, I, I'm Charlie Howden, and the GoFundMe page. I think you mentioned the contacts on that already. Um, yeah, we'll drop that into the show notes, um, so people can link through there. Okay, yeah, that would be perfect. Um, but there's always posts flying around. You know, friends, family are sharing it continuously as well. Um, you know, I think I've got my own homepage. Uh, you know, the Costa Rican Paddle Challenge on Facebook as well. Okay, great. So, well, manage. we'll follow you with bated breath and and. All the best, Charlie. We hope you have a fantastic trip. It was really awesome chatting to you. Well, that would be great. But, yeah, if uh, anyone's interested in, uh, you know, reading up about the organization, WGFRF.org, uh, it's a very interesting site. And uh, I think it's going to be really help the advances in oncology uh, down the line. So, um, you know, that's what we're really aiming to help out for this uh, particular fundraiser. Excellent. The, the chemo and, and how that affects your body, you know, I think two weeks out from going, um, w- what are the effects that it has on you in terms of physical activity? Well, um, this latest chemo, actually, it seems to be a lot easier on my body. It was recommended by the clinical trial we did to, this is a standard one for pancreatic cancer I've moved to. And I did one last week and two days later I was back, you know, doing some work. And today I'm talking to you guys, whereas the last one I would be in bed or being sick or whatever Mm. other body functions come with it. And Mm. I wasn't interested in speaking on the phone for four days or five days or so. So, um, Mm. but you know, I'd that with that chemo, I'd have my week off and then by the Saturday after Monday, then I'll be back on my bike and out paddling again. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, my, it has limited me immensely as well. You know, I'd really have to block out how I felt off that chemo to attack the second session and today for the first time in a year and a half because I did one session last week I went in knowing that I wasn't going to be sick today or have all these other real nasty adverse side effects and uh, yeah I feel really upbeat and happy today and uh, just after chemo which is but it's all very different. Every patient, I just want to, you know, mention that every patient's different, always different chemo combinations depending on weight, type, and people handle everything differently. So for me to say this, another patient may be finding it harder as well. So it's very individual. Uh, yeah. Just everyone knows that. Charlie, in terms of overnights, what on your trip, what, what what's the arrangements there? Are you, God forbid, that you're camping? or? Yeah, we may have to camp at Witch's Rock and in a location right in the South Corcovado National Park. But mm. I, we would like to camp more. But because of my condition, we really wanted to make sure that I could have a good night's sleep and the distance mm. I'm paddling and my body itself not being, you know, full hundred percent um so we'll be staying in in costa rica there's all these nice cabins you know some of ac some out but it is beneficial to me to probably have a bed somewhere comfy to sleep and a good meal each night that will really help me with this trip um absolutely yeah i can't afford to be not sleeping and be bitten by bugs and everything throughout the night so I sound like a bit of a bit of a wuss. No, I've done no, a, no. Now I've got to be a bit more careful and responsible about my body. Well, you know, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I did a, you know, uh, I did a John O'Groats Lands End cycle ride, so it was about nine days um, with some guys from the army a few years ago, and uh, and you know, we, we spent two days camping, albeit camping in Scotland, which is probably a little bit rainy and cold. But uh, but yeah, we ended up after three days staying in uh, in hotels and stuff just because you need to have that recovery time. So so I absolutely uh, I think that's the brilliant option to take. Um, just um, another one, another burning question: Is your kit on the on the board? What sort of you know, can you talk us through what kit you're bringing with us? Because obviously you've got to keep it light, but also you've got to 
keep enough supplies to keep you going for you know your 25 30 miles for sure um you know i've got a, i had a number of ideas of kit um safety wise as well just my years of working on yachts and you know i looked at the kit bart does what carried for some of his journeys but for me, because I am going to be coming to land every night, I don't need to carry quite so much. Um, I'm going to carry enough for, say, 24 hours in case, you know, something hits a fan. Um, hmm. But uh, I have that in-reach um, system so I can send messages with satellite to make sure people know where I am or I'm okay on shore. Um, we have marine G- um, GPS radio so I can keep in contact with my shore support. Um, I bought other safety equipment, um, you know, flags and um, dyes and mirrors should things happen um, and first aid kits and, you know, even just blood clotting kits because I have sometimes my blood drops right down as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just the most important thing for me, though, is going to be supplements to be out there so long so I can avoid um, the effects of dehydration. So I'm working with, you know, one of my sponsors, Hammond Nutrition, I've been working with them to try and get the exact right nutrition through carbs and proteins and Mm. uh, the, you know, electrolyte tablets and everything that worked out and balanced and how much water I need per hour. So I'm really trying to hit that perfectly um, so I don't lose a lot of my fluids because that is going to be one of the major things that will keep me going. Um, Clothing-wise, Costa Rica is going to be fairly warm, um, but I do have a full sun top with a hood on it um, Mm. because I'm not out there to get a nice tan. Um, and you know, I have a camera, but I don't need a bed. I don't need a huge amount of food. Um, I'm taking sort of dried fruit and nuts and then I've got, you know, hammer bars as well for nutrition. And, um, I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can for the weight, but yeah, overall the weight will be the water I'm carrying on board. So, um, we had, uh, we did an interview with Tati Coco Sup. I think it was, uh, our second or third um, podcast, but she was talking about um, her journey around Sardinia, and uh, she talked a bit about the effect of salt on on her on her legs and so on. Is is that something that you've you've looked at? I, I guess you you'd be familiar with that. You know, having spent most of your time on on salt water. Yeah, salts uh, are very uh, can be very debilitating. You know, just from the crust it forms and from the sun exposure. But it really does work a lot more on dehydrating you as well. Um, mm. But that is a very interesting fact. And I've been uh, in the past with yachts due to rough weather. I've been stuck into tenders for six hours just with minimal water. And it really does take a lot out of you, that sun and salt air. Um, so that is a very important aspect as well. Um, fingers crossed I get favourable conditions. And um, yeah, I just... What, what's, what's the prevailing wind direction in, in that area? Well, I've just been speaking to some locals down there at the moment. And they say at the moment it's out a bit more out of the south and west, but picking up around 11 o'clock. So not ideal from the trip, but some of them saying, you know what, Charlie, you've probably got the right window where the rainy season hasn't really kicked in, but the Papagaya winds have finished. Mm. Um, so I, I, I do hope we get, you know, a few downwind days. I know in the north, sometimes off Lake Nicaragua, you can get a bit more offshore winds, which will help me with some runs along the points there. But um, if it is windy, I'll be hugging the shore a lot more. Um, and depending on the surf forecast, I mean, if it's anything like the other day of, you know, swell periods of 23 seconds, then I'm going to have to paddle, you know, a fair bit further out to sea than, you know, explore the coastline to find the right put-in spots. But um, I can't imagine us having that period of swell next week after such a big one last week. Yeah, well, wishing you uh, the, all the prevailing winds. It'd be good to downwind the whole way. That would be uh, 
far too much to hope for. And and just one final question. You mentioned about uh, crocs and so on. That That's quite a sort of transit route down there for, for other wildlife as well. Are you, you hoping to see sort of dolphins and, and all of that sort of stuff oh, on your crocs. travels? I mean, I've been surfing down there and I've seen whales jumping offshore some. I really hope I'm going to be in the midst of that as well. Um, I mean, that's, I think that's what's really going to help me with my trip as well. I'm not just paddling 25 miles through some canals. I'm going to be paddling among some of the most beautiful scenery in the world with the most what, most amazing wildlife. So it's really going to help me mentally with my paddle, and I really do hope to experience that. Um, it will be uh, it will be amazing thing out there if I do get to have some whales bypass me. Um, I'll have the cameras ready, I hope, and um, see if I can get you guys some good footage. Oh, that's, that sounds that's fantastic, and really hope you get to see plenty of wildlife there, plenty of nice wildlife, mind not less less of the crocodiles, I think. And um, and but sorry, I, the other crocs, I think they'll stay mainly to their areas, and you know we kind of know where they are, and uh, they're not going to be swimming far out of sea, and you know on a big board, so. You know, I, I don't believe touch wood I'm going to have much of a problem. But uh, it is a thought, being on my own, if I do go past these delta systems, I would be wanting to paddle further away from them um, yeah. and make sure friends haven't tied a stake onto the back of my board or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> style, you know. <laughs> and, um, sorry, and this really will be my final question. In terms of fundraising, have you got a figure in your mind that you're, you're aiming for or anticipating or, or are you just you know letting it run and and see and just see how much you can can uh, raise well wgfrf put a total as around 50,000 on the gofundme page which is a good target um so far i think we're at about 6,300 but that's been donations mainly from friends of mine um mm-hmm. so hopefully as we kind of get more information out and now the trip's about to start hopefully that will see that i'm actually finally doing this and it's not just an idea in my head so i do hope that figure will go up you know to at least 20,000 um, I was very lucky when I was first diagnosed to have a huge amount of support and, you know, friends raised me a lot of money. Um, but, you know, maybe, you know, they donated so much to me in the past. So, you know, I can't expect them again to do this for another foundation. But, you know, they still all put in a bit again. So I'm very thankful to those. And even if it's just a dollar here or a dollar here by, you know, thousands of people, then that all adds up. So, um you know, fingers crossed, and I and I know there's there's so many charity events out there, and so many families with their own problems. So, you know, we do what we can do, and um, you know, we'll keep raising money, and I'm sure we'll have the page open for a few months as we do a few more interviews after my trip as well, and uh, we'll keep it open and keep pushing it for a while. Absolutely, yeah, and so you should do. I th- I think it's an awesome challenge. I think um, I think tackling it is just spectacular you know in terms of uh, what what you've gone through and uh, you know it, it's inspiration for all of us i think well that's what i'm hoping uh, you know it's gone from just a simple thing of raising money and uh, for a charity to appealing to a lot more people since i actually have you know the same of thousands and uh, giving them hope and inspiration and you know really giving them a good kick that they can get out there and do a lot as well so um you know pancreatic cancer doesn't have the best figures out there but um i've always said to myself i'm young and those figures don't apply to me so um it's a it's a massive mental fight and uh you know if i can really help people with that then that will even that will make a difference to me and it'll be amazing awesome great talking to you charlie and good luck for your journey likewise well thank you very much and uh you know i look forward to talking with you both soon yeah great thanks charlie and good luck 
Thank you for listening to Sup FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you in the water. <laughs> <laughs>